Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. So next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Glad that you're back on the episode with us, uh, checking out the new information coming out. Today we have somebody that was my first platoon sergeant in Fast Company uh, when I first entered the Marine Corps, and I learned some lessons from him. Coach Davis was my first platoon sergeant back in 2005 in Fast Company. One night we were out in the field and we were training, and the night had come to an end. I was new to the platoon and consequently had been assigned fire watch. My post was under the COC tent, and I was to watch the ammunition. It was somewhere around 2.30 in the morning and suddenly I was yoked up from behind. I heard nothing, I saw nothing, and out I went. When I awoke, my legs and arms were twitching a bit as they do when you come back from being choked out. Once I shook my eyes loose, I saw Gunny Davis just staring at me. He had striped camo paint on his face and if my memory serves correctly, he had a ghillie suit on. He looked at me coldly and said, you never fucking know, Rogers. This was the first of many lessons I learned from Gunny Davis. Lessons that I learned and that later I held close when I was no longer in a training environment. After a long and illustrious career in the Corps, Ty Davis retired and is now a personal trainer and a fitness coach. Ty holds a bachelor's in sports and health science, a master's in exercise science with human performance and strength and conditioning, as well as a master's in exercise science focused on nutrition and wellness. He's a certified strength and, condition, and conditioning specialist, and he also holds a CrossFit Level 1 trainer, uh, pre- Precision Nutrition Coach, Level 1 BioForce Certified Conditioning Coach, and a USA Weightlifting Coach. He retired with 30 years of service. His passion for fitness began with his love of weightlifting in high school, and especially during his time in the Marine Corps. His approach to strength and conditioning emphasizes age and skill level appropriate programming with focus given to conditioning and functional strength. He's a firm believer in the mobility and being flexible as that is key to minimizing injury and allowing you to move better. His favorite client is one that is goal-oriented, has discipline to do the work, and is willing to change and live a healthier life. And with that, Ty Davis, thanks for coming out, and uh, I'm glad to, glad to talk to you. Happy about man, this man. conversation coming up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really humbled that I'm here talking with you, man. It is, it's, you know... I'm proud of you. I know everyone else is, man. It's having you as a young Marine, and I'm really humbled to be here, man. Thank you. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I wanted to add that story about, uh, I, I want to say maybe we we're, I don't know if we were in Cuba or uh, or one of the training areas back stateside, but I remember being on Firewatch. Oh, I went up, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going out for real. This is bad. <laughs> and when I woke up, you were just like right there, like, you never know. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> don't be complacent. That'd be the lesson that I learned that night. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe be a hard target and walk around. And, yeah. and so, um, I, I talk about fast a lot because, you know, when, when you get out into the, uh, into the fleet Marine Corps, you get a bad name for coming from fast, especially going back into the, into the line infantry. Yeah. People don't, don't think you do work. And I know that 
you know, I, I don't know other people's experiences from fast and their training, uh, you know, cycles and, and their op tempo, but I know that we trained hard and, uh, oh, yeah. and we kept our O three 3 skills sharp and, uh, and definitely, um, you know, we got to hit AUC and some of those awesome schools. So when I got back out into the fleet, I felt like coming from our platoon, it was a lot better than coming from one of these Kings Bay PRP platoons or, you know, even some of the other platoons over in fast that maybe didn't work as hard. And for so, sure. you know, I gained an appreciation for that training out, out, out the go and, and had great, great guys like yourself, CC Hopkins, um, yeah. Dawkins, yeah. you know, and then we had a good commander too. And, and, um, uh, Gustafson. So it was hard training, hard play. And, and, you know, I kind of took that with me throughout my career. So, um, I, I'll say it again. I know we talked a little bit offline before we started here, but the reason that you ended up on my list was in the beginning of, you know, starting this podcast, I wanted to make a list of people who, really impacted me along my along my journey through adulthood you know especially in the marine corps but even even people outside the marine corps and you know i'll just tell those stories one of the stories i tell that came from you is you know one of the things you always impressed upon us was to never sleep on a movement always be awake and know where you're at on a movement and taught that to us at a, at a young age and i passed that on to my marines because you know, the worst thing that could happen is you're on a movement somewhere and IED goes off or a rocket goes off or a complex ambush opens up and you're just now waking up to all that hell and that chaos and you don't even have. Yeah. So, um, with, without further ado, let's, let's talk about you. Um, uh, f like I said, I asked some structured questions in the beginning and then we'll kind of go from there and take it where the conversation, uh, leads us. But, um, Definitely. let's start off in early life. You're rearing, um, parenthood you know parents in the household out of the household siblings uh and uh, competitive sports things like that and then we'll kind of go from there yeah man absolutely so i i grew up i was the middle of three boys my mom had three boys and my he wasn't my dad he was you know i guess you can call him my stepdad he was killed when i was five he, he got killed in a horrific car accident he was you know burned alive i don't want to be too graphic but yeah he was he was burned alive mm -hmm. when i was five years old man and so essentially, I grew up um, without a father figure in my life. You know what I mean? Hung out with my brothers. And, you know, and the, the thing is, both my brothers, I don't know how I, my mold, you know, was different from theirs. Mm -hmm. is both of my brothers got in trouble with the law. You know, I guess I was too afraid to get in trouble with the law because I, I, I didn't get in trouble. I stayed in school. I, I graduated, things of that nature, man. But they were both... Um, in trouble with the law all the time, man. My older brother uh, was in, in and out of prison. My younger brother in, in juvenile hall, man. And, you know, and after I graduated high school, even in 11th grade, man, I had no idea what the heck I was going to do, man. Mm -hmm. Army recruiter came up to me and, you know, he was garbage. And then I had a Marine recruiter, man, and he definitely, definitely sold me some stuff, man. And, and that's how I joined the Marine Corps. And my first deployment was probably – my worst deployment. We didn't go anywhere. We, we, we hit a lot of places. We went to 13 different ports, man. It was amazing float. Mm -hmm. However, my younger brother was killed uh, through gang violence on my first deployment. Mm -hmm. I mean, so. And then, this is and then in, nine, was, in the 90s, I'm assuming? Or? It was 90, 92, okay. 92 that he was killed, man. And uh, also, we was in Hong Kong. And I remember, you know, first started calling me up to the office with the CEO. And they told me, and they flew me back, man. And I had a phenomenal squad leader and a phenomenal platoon commander that navigated me through the streets of Hong Kong, man, and got me back. You know, I'll mm -hmm. never forget those guys to this day, man. They definitely helped me out. And 
my older brother, you know, unfortunately, he's in prison for life now. He got in Colorado the three strike rule, man, and now he's he's locked away for life. Mm-hmm. So I'll never see that dude again, man. So you know, I grew up definitely in the in the rough streets and people from Denver, Colorado, and grew up in you know around gang violence and things of that nature. And people like from Colorado, don't you ski? Then you know, I guess they don't know mm-hmm. that the suburbs of Denver are a pretty bad location. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and I luckily I I definitely dodged some things out there, man, and, yeah. and you know got me to where I am and came into the Marine Corps, man, and you know. And I think that's where it, it all started looking up for me. After that deployment, things started looking up for me, man. Had a lot to learn, man. I, I failed, I don't know how many times, dude. Failed, mm-hmm. failed in so many things while I was in the Marine Corps, man. And that's know, where growth is found, they say, huh? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%, dude. And I had individuals that, that believed in me, individuals that, you know, trusted me with certain things. And I tell you, the, the proudest moment of my career, man, believe it or not, dude, is when my squad leader, uh, Sergeant Sean Larrabee, man, uh, promoted me to fire team leader. And some <laughs> people be like, fire team leader. I mean, you look at that, to me back then, that was a huge responsibility. I was mm. ecstatic, man. I was mm. jumping for joy because we were, we didn't go, but we were getting ready to go to Somalia, you know, when that stuff kicked off with the, you know, Black Hawk Down, things of that nature. <laughs> and he wanted me to be the fire team leader because he trusted me to do the job of a fire team leader over and It's an honor. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, huge honor, man. Huge honor. Mm-hmm. He choked me out too when he told me. He said, "I don't want you screwing up, man. I'm gonna give you a fire team leader, and uh, you've been not, you've been not screw me over, man." So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so you're coming out of Denver. Uh, stepdad is killed uh, at a young age, so you're growing up without a father figure. You do have yeah. an older brother and a younger brother, and they seem to get kind of messed up in the streets a little bit. You yeah. get out, and then uh, fast forward a little bit. You're O three out the gate. Yep. Yep. yep, and then you go to Hong Kong on a float. You hit a bunch of ports, but you find out that, and it's your younger brother that's passed away. Correct. Yeah, right. he was shot, shot in the head, man. Yep. Yeah, that's not cool. No. So, okay, so you come back from from uh, from Oki, and then you said you're talking about Somalia starting to, starting to work up, and you get promoted to team leader. And where do we go after that if you didn't hit Somalia? Yeah, so after- Right. So we, yeah, after we got back, we, we did a, a Westpac. I think it was 11th meal or 13th meal, I forget which one it was. We come back from there and we started doing our training cycle again. We're on, on guard and the Somali thing kicked off and we started doing workups for that. Obviously we didn't go, man, but that's okay. And then we, my second deployment, you know, I was a squad leader during that time. You know, my second deployment, we did a, a UDP to Okinawa during that deployment. Of course, did the 31st meal. Mm-hmm. Excuse me for that one, and uh, just you know, just train out there, man. And you know, obviously nothing wasn't going on, you know, during that time. So, and what unit are you with for these ones? I was with one one uh, Alpha Company one one, and that's out of Horno, right? It is. It, it is. is. Gotcha. Out of Horno, man, and Alpha Company. Good unit, man. Good unit. So, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And so, what year are we? What year line are we at right now? You said you're we're in. Uh, so after we got back from Okinawa, I went to. We got back from Okinawa, it was 94, 94, 94. 95 ish. Yeah. Check. Yeah, 94. Check. And after that, odd, odd place I went to, man. I only had two choices after I re enlisted. I could either go to SOI to be an instructor or um, to the Air Wing. I went to a, a F 18 squadron, man. I was okay. training to go out there as a corporal. Then got promoted to sergeant out there and absolute garbage. 
You know what I mean? It wasn't, yeah, it I was wasn't gonna bad. say what what's it like? It's such a different culture. It's a completely different culture on that man. side. Yeah, they they the pilots and I hope I don't get in trouble. For, I'm retired anyway, so I think I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, good. the pilots didn't care about the physical fitness or the education of their the crew. As long as they were there fixing their planes, getting them flight times, that's all they cared about. Mm -hmm. I've never, even I've been in the Marine for only five years at that time, individuals failing a PFT was foreign to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. They it was they failed it on a on a on a constant. I'm I'm talking about in large numbers, man, failing PFTs. And they would kind of sweep some of them under the rug, mm -hmm. you know, and then fudge a little bit of numbers here and there, man. But luckily I had a sergeant major there who was on my side with this stuff man and he i was in charge of uh remedial pt for these cats <laughs> i bet you enjoyed was, that oh 100 man i was smoking <laughs> checking these cats dude and uh, just kill them they hated me they absolutely <laughs> I, hated they did. Me, I didn't i didn't care yeah you know i mean but it's funny because in our culture um from our world it's like if you don't get a first class pft and if you're a leader if you don't get a high first class pft oh, there's an oh, issue man. Like there's a real big talk. issue with your billet, yeah. Real talk. And then you man. go over there, and they're struggling to pass the PFT. That's a different story. Yeah. When I was at SOI, we had uh, like other NCOs that would come in, and they're trying to be O3s. And if they wouldn't get a high first class, it's like, dude, you you better, <laughs> like, we we can't kick you out. But if you don't pass with a high first class and go to the fleet as a squad leading sergeant with a first class, yeah. you're gonna get chewed oh, yeah. up. Yeah, Just crazy. Absolutely. How's that? How's it? How's it like? Like integrating into that. Is it difficult? You know, it, it, it was very difficult. You know, I had come back from obviously, you know, two deployments with the infantry, man. And uh, it was it was hard for them to accept me because of my my character and the way I was. As, Your demeanor. As, you know, me and my, especially my demeanor, man. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, dude, you got to you got to stay the heck up out of here, man, because, you know, I, I just didn't. I obviously I wasn't by the letter black and white all the dog on time, man. But there were certain things you know, that were common to a basic Marine Corps stuff that I just wouldn't let, let you know, sweep under the rug, man, because it just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. you know I, mean? mm -hmm. I just held them, held them to a standard, just like we've all all been held to a standard as Marine, dude. So, you know, I held them to that standard, and their their senior leadership didn't like that I held them to that standard, you know. Oh, you mean like the pilots and stuff? The pilots and some of the staff NCOs. Oh, wow. You know, it's Yeah, because you're making them look bad, right? Is that what they – is that kind of like the angle – yeah, because because you know as well as I do, man. If you fail a PFT, you know it's supposed to be annotated, and if it, it affects your promotions, things mm -hmm. of that nature, mm -hmm. they wanted these guys to get promoted so they can stay in the aviation community. Mm -hmm. In this unit I was in, man, there was a guy. Kid you not, brother, he was in the same unit for ten years. Yeah, didn't go anywhere. Reason is why it, is it like specialty? He's like some special mechanic or no, something. Man. No, there's there's tons of F eighteen squadrons around the Marine Corps, but he was such a good mechanic and such a good, you know, and what his job was, he was one of those kinds that was struggled with his weight all the time. He was constantly on BCP, constantly on weight control, mm -hmm. and they hid him there for, mm -hmm. for 10 years because mm -hmm. but he, he finally reached high tenure. He couldn't get promoted because there was nothing they could do, yep. you know, about that. But they kept him there for 10 years, brother, the whole time because he was good at his job, but lousy at being a basic Marine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, how often do you think that you think that's a common occurrence on that side? I do. Yeah, 
I've never been over there. I have some buddies that are over there. I have a couple buddies with the Osprey, uh, some of the Osprey squadrons and stuff. So I keep up with them. And but it is, it's a different culture. So it's a it's a different uh, way of operating for sure. And and maybe maybe necessarily so. I I don't agree with not holding the standard, but I've never been over there and operated with those guys day in and day out. And I don't know, like maybe if first name basis has worked for them or if it's that relaxed, those more relaxed standards work because they're flying. Maybe, maybe that's the case, but yeah, I'm not sure about all that. I just know it's different than, than where we come from. Oh, definitely different, man. Definitely different. dude. So yeah, yeah, I, I vowed to never go back to an airway unit. <laughs> I, I got bamboozled in there. Later on in my career, when we talk about it, I was, it was good. It was good. It wasn't bad, though. So, yeah. You didn't want to go back, but you got called back on. <laughs> yeah, I did, dude. So, yeah. so, where do you go after you do the did the um, F-18 squadrons? So, I left there, man. That's when I went to recon battalion. I think in this is where this part of my career, I wish I could erase. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to be in, in recon big time. I wanted to do to do that job and I wanted to be a reconnaissance Marine, you know, and maybe get to force or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I came up short in the, the physical department a lot. And it, and this is the reason why is because I wasn't fast enough and because I couldn't swim as well. Mm-hmm. That's where my, my shortcomings came up at. And I took the end three times, brother, three times. I trained for that sucker three doggone times. And accumulated so many injuries because I was running so much, mm-hmm. just doing so much work to try and, you know, pass these indocs and, you know, just try and get in there. But physically, I just couldn't put put it together and I couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. You, know, you had dudes there that could run like the wind and it, it was just easy to them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that right there is is was kind of the the point in my life where I was like, you know what, dude, I need to figure out and try to understand why this is the way it is. And that's when I got into, you know, reading up on physical fitness and, you know, the human body, mm-hmm. you know, cause it, it just, you know, learning that just kind of changed a lot for me. But again, in, in recon, man, that's where I, like I said, I wish I could erase that. I met, I met a lot of good dudes, met a lot of good dudes there, man. But, you know, there's this thing on, on Facebook as if, if the red door is, is $10 million and the blue door is go back in time to fix all your issues. I would probably go back in time man, and try and, you know. And what do you mean by that? When you say you, you could erase it, was it just that it was that much of a struggle or that if you could go back and know what you know now going into it, you could have made yourself better at passing whatever it was you couldn't, oh, you know, get the handle question, on. Yeah. I'd, I'd be absolutely bionic. Mm-hmm the information i know now man and go back there and just just kill it because yeah. before the war the, the 9-11 piece the marine corps focused on cardiovascular endurance mm-hmm. you know and that's what recon was good at those guys could run like the wind dude there was no mm-hmm. question and that's what everybody looked at upon you know what i mean and my runtime, kid you not man was a, like a 2010 yeah it's good you know what i mean but it just wasn't it just wasn't good enough mm-hmm know what i mean and just you know having that that endurance and understanding how nutrition affected my body and how recovery affected my body i didn't know that stuff then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know i mean i didn't know it and you know that's how i came i don't blame anybody but myself 100 you know you, yeah i hear you i hear you on that i i think um I, I thought that's where you're going with it and i felt the same way because there was times in the latter part of my career that not that i was over over overweight but i would be close 
like to my high my high my high end and then i would go and punish myself and get where i needed to be you know not think about it and now i've gotten into understanding my body and understanding nutrition and actually eating food and it's like i could have been never had to stress about any of that ever and could have been in way better um performing shape war fighting shape had i known and so i I hear you like i've I've had to hire trainers like you to make me understand you know and and get get my macros and my micros right and but when i did that i put i I was able to to lift more run faster uh get into shape good shape quicker and um and yeah, so I hear you on that. It's a wonder that we don't have more, you know, coaches, you know, maybe even at the infantry line level with this stuff, managing this stuff, because these are professional athletes when you get down yeah. to it, especially they need to be when they're going down range. Oh, and, yeah. And so, and so maybe, maybe the Marine Corps can come a little ways with that, but, uh, so, and, and this is the thing, because I kind of brought some of that up, man, uh, at my last unit, I was big on it and try and get it. Because you look at what the what the army is doing at H two F, the holistic uh, fitness program, to where they got CSCS, they have uh, athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go to any infantry unit or any you know ranger unit, they'll have a, a team mm-hmm. of individuals with these skills, keeping these guys you know in shape physically and mentally. Absolutely, and they have the budget. The Marine Corps don't have the budget, man. That's right. I mean? That's right. And I had, um, I don't know if, if you watch the show very much, but I had a guy on that's the head strength and conditioning coach at Wounded Warrior Battalion East. His oh, name is okay. Kyle O'Toole. And they're coming off like 75, 80 grand for these guys to come in and start a year, which I'm not saying that's, you know, the end all be all, but that's getting closer because now they're recruiting people from the universities that are coming out with these degrees that really yeah. understand physiology and really understand the body. And then they're helping these recovering service members get back either into the fleet or healthy as they can get them before they depart the, you know, the Marine Corps, which is great. And I think we could, I think we need more of that, but like you said, it's going to come down to budget stipulations and what we can afford. And if you can't afford one of those for every single battalion, because even if the battalions had a team, they could take care of the guys that are, you know, hurting or, or, or they could help implement safety protocols of stretching and, and exercise and nutrition. I think that'd go a long way for saving the shelf life of this, at least in the infantry, at least of the infantry men, it could help out a lot. Yeah. Without um, question, man. Without question. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what they come up with. I, I, I keep obviously abreast with it. And I don't see them moving forward in anything of that nature. So yeah. I they'll surprise me and have something like that. So. Yeah. I think budgets are hurting. I mean, I think they're hurting right now because of stuff that happened last year and, and with, you know, the administration's, you know, pulling money out of different pools. And I haven't gotten completely to the root of it, but I know that there's some really good war fighting um, aids that yep. should be up and running on Lejeune right now, but that aren't up and running anymore on Lejeune because of budget stipulations. And it's like, you, you're going to second guess that when we have to go over here because China takes Taiwan or something in short order. And, no, and like, nobody wants to think about it or talk about it out loud because it's scary. But it's like, yeah. this is the last time that you take these aids away, these training aids away from the fleet. Yep. And uh, and we always do it. We always do it for some reason. Like, it's a, tr- it's a trend. And so, um, yeah. Maybe another thing that can come out of stories like this and and walks through careers like guys like you is is those little TDGs that these teams can come out. This is free information. They can come right to YouTube and oh, see how yeah. you, a mission went down with you and how you navigate that and see how a mission went down with this guy. So um, I guess do that little part. But 
Okay, so um, so you're over at Recon, and and do you you deploy with them, or or is there any deployments? No, I with didn't. Them? So they deployed as as teams or whatnot, or platoons, but okay. I didn't deploy, and so I left there, got orders back to one one. I was in Bravo Company uh, in one one, and I became. I got educated in one one man. I checked in, went straight to squad leaders, squad leaders course. Graduated there a week later. I had a little a one week break. Went right to platoon sergeant course. Man, I got taken care of at that year. Yeah. Man, you know they. Had, I think they had just came back from deployment, and I was getting spun up, man, and just went to those two courses back to back. Huge, absolutely huge. Yeah. Squad leaders course was a smoke check session. Oh yeah, of course. You know what I mean. And platoon sergeants was just more. Of the orders writing process and understanding how to be up at the at the uh, headquarters level with the S three and stuff like that, man. So yeah, more Came of the administrative Chief side. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, more oh, yeah. of the administrative side. Yeah, yeah. And is that what IULC is now? So or is that sort of different? No, man. So IULC again, they Marine Corps they are always changing stuff. So what they wanted to do with uh, IULC Infantry Unit Leaders Course is. Um, because officers come out of the you know, the the infantry officers course, freaking Jedi's man, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were just at a different level from where we were as staff sergeants, mm-hmm. you know, um, coming out of at a platoon sergeant's course. So they changed it up. Obviously, it doesn't mirror it. It's not as long as theirs, but the the the, the staff sergeants coming out of IULC are a lot better. The attrition rate is a little bit higher than platoon storms course was because there's certain things that you just cannot fail, man. Mm-hmm, you just mm-hmm. you can't fail, you know, and they'll retest you. And if you don't do it, you're, that's it. That's it, man. So the standards are really stinking high, man. And I'm glad they went that way because yeah. the staff NCO, especially getting young staff, starters, they need to have that education when they get that, that second lieutenant coming in that platoon. He needs to be able to you know, have verbal judo with that guy when mm-hmm. it comes to tactics and when it comes to leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I think they went in, the, in an awesome direction with those courses, man. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, couldn't man. agree more. And I think, uh, when I was an instructor at ITB, they would take a few sergeants a year and send them up to the officer's course yeah. and they get to go through that. And then, you know, I think the idea is that you bring that information back and then spread load that to the to the sergeant mm-hmm. corps and the corporal corps, and then everybody's kind of on the same language, uh, uh, the same uh, the same mental wavelength. Let's let's call it. Right. Yeah. I just don't know that that ever was done correctly on the train the trainer side. At least while I was there, it's like guys would go up and they'd come back shit hot, but then you wouldn't hear anything about what, why, why, and what they learned up there. You know, so right. yeah, uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely a positive, and especially I would argue even to to the squad leader level too, like. Your squad leader needs to be talking the same language as your platoon commander, especially downrange. You know, yeah. if you're not, you should be. And and for you guys that are out there now, you young, you know, corporals and sergeants coming up, you need to be getting in the brains of your platoon commanders, and you need to be getting in the books and understanding tactics and understanding that language. Oh um, yeah, and, and you guys, they also need to, you know, just read, read, read. Just stay educated, man. You know, when it comes to you know all of this information, try and read as much. I'm not saying overwhelm yourself with you know all these you know books on you know different tactics and things of that nature and on leadership but you, you got to stay abreast and you got to stay you know in line with you know with the marine corps you know and just absolutely but with them so absolutely and it's like it's ever-changing and and that's kind of my next book is is concerns leadership and the fluid nature of leadership 
and the yeah. fluid nature of different personalities, both in the Marine Corps and out of the Marine Corps. It doesn't matter what kind of team you're going to lead. You're going to have different people moving in and out, and those different people aren't going to be just alike. So it's going to be a fluid nature to your to your team. And then there's always a fluid nature to business. Some Somebody's always competing with you to try to outdo you. You need to be fluid enough and have a, have a, uh, have a team that's on the same level enough to do that. And, uh, yeah, man, couldn't be more important. You got to get in the books. You got to, you got to read about the people coming before you, the experts in your field. And that's something that's yeah. big on my channel is so many things, uh, you know, later on in my career, Marja in 2010, we were in a real fight. And, and some of the things that I leaned on were things that I read in books on combat, on yeah. killing, you know, EB sledges with the old breed. These different stories gave me, um, instant, instant acquisition to that information because I had read them. I understood them. I trained them and I didn't do that early in my career. I wish I, I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have been more, um, a thinker, you know, like I was later and, and into that. But, uh, at the same time, I can't tell you how many people that are, that were in my leadership path that wasn't stressed to me or else I just didn't pick that up. And yeah. so that's something now that I try anybody I talk to read, 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 podcast watch movies documentaries whatever it is you need to get after that because there's little gems in there that you can take away 100%. yeah yeah so all right so where are we at now so what i i got to one one bravo company again cheap cox in the you know of the of the zodiac that was that was a fun time man and then we deployed in 2001 and we stopped all obviously hawaii and all that good jazz and we stopped off in darwin australia do some training and we got on limo man and then we, the the shore patrol comes like, hey, you guys got to get back to the ship. You guys got to get out of here. And we're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, no, dude, I'm serious. You guys got to get back to the ship. You know, and, it, and when you had the COs of the ship coming out, the XOs of the ship, all these officers Something's coming out. Something's wrong, yeah. Get back to the ship, man. We got to go. Mm -hmm. And we get back there. I'm getting chills as I'm talking about it right now, man. We saw it, and the, the towers just got bombed. Mm -hmm. We were like, and I looked at um, – that's from Calhoun. I said, we're going to war, dude. We're going to war. When you know, we see those two towers mm -hmm. got hit, the Pentagon got hit, and that one plane got, you know, crashed in that field in Pennsylvania, man. I told him, yeah, we're going to war, dude. Yep. Numbers been called, man. boys. Yep. This is it, brother. So, yeah, we, we got on ship, and uh, our company, Gunny, man, Gunny Terry, was a phenomenal, phenomenal individual. Man. I love that guy. We get on the ship, man. We get, you know, get accountability. And that ship did not start vibrating until we got off the coast of Pakistan, dude. And we were in Australia. Just buzzing. <laughs> just just flowing, dude. You know, those guys in the in the engine room must have been working their tails off, man, because that ship did not stop vibrating until we got off in Pakistan, man. Mm -hmm. And we got off in Pakistan, did some some security out there, uh, on this, you know, Air Force base that they had just built up. <clears throat> did that for I think it was about a, a month I can't remember a month maybe a month and a half and then get back on the ship and he's like hey you guys are going to set up a fob in you know in Afghanistan we was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> he's like, yeah you guys we're getting ready to go set up a fob in Afghanistan man so our company Bravo company got called over to the big deck because we were the sparrow hawk for the, mm -hmm. the army ranger unit that went in to do some we, it, we, we didn't get the red light but you know we were just prepping. We were the sparrow heart for these guys, man. And a uh, bald eagle, excuse me. We were the bald eagle for these cats. You okay. Know, going through this thing, man. So uh, it didn't happen. And then we get back to our ship. We start packing up, man. We flew back into Pakistan. And next thing you know, we landed in Camp Rhino, man. And there we were for like four, four, four and a half months or some crap. Mm. 
mean, it's on Camp Rhino, dude. And uh, finished that deployment after that. And uh, that that was huge for us, man, because General Mattis was our freaking uh, task force commander, man, yep. task force eight, and we were just ecstatic with that guy being just being on deck, dude. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he definitely took care of us, man, General Mattis. A legend. Um, no, man, absolute legend, man. Legend, legend, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, man, we got done with that deployment, man, and went to went we got Libo in Australia. Uh, that was a good time, man. And um, I've heard Australia is pretty good time. It's dope, man. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I, I've been to Darwin, Sydney, and Perth, man. You just can't. Darwin wasn't all that great, but Perth and Sydney, man, that, that place where is on at? point. Oh yeah, that's yeah. where it's at. Yeah, my, one of my, one of my platoon sergeants in three six used to tell me stories about the Libo ports in Australia. I was oh like, yeah, oh my god. Yeah, dude, it was good time, good time. But yeah, wow. So, what's next? So we get back from that deployment, and then I think we got help. Uh, I forget what happened, but we didn't deploy for a little bit because we got to do that. And I guess the, either the regimental commander or the division commander is like, "You guys are sitting, sending some stuff out." Because when we got back, that's when things start taking place in Iraq. Yeah, yeah, and. and some units went over there and we did get to go over to Iraq, but we only stayed for a little bit. And we were a Bravo company because we, we took our boats in because mm-hmm. our, our mission was uh, we did. Uh, we were doing VBSSs on these ships that were out in the Umkasar River. OK. And they were smuggling oil from Iraq to Iran. We'll talk you know, about that a had, little bit. Say again. I said, talk go into that a little bit. What's that look like? Yeah. So we were. We were working with the British Army because the British Army or British Marines were out there and we were all in our boats and we would conduct VBSSs on these ships. It wasn't a, you know, they weren't hostile, but we would board a vessel and if the vessel had oil on it, we would have to confiscate the ship, kind of repo the repo the ship mm-hmm. and just hide it a little and take it back somewhere. And I guess the guy got arrested or whatnot, but, you know, did that. Uh, that, that was fun. I'm not going to lie to you, man. That was fun taking them Zodiacs on the river. And- yeah doing these VBSSs on a ship. We thought we were cool, but we weren't cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we just thought we were. Yeah, but it's fun. It was fun. It that was fun, fun, man. We had, a, we had a good time, a good unit, man, and, you know, did that. And and that deployment wasn't all that dynamic, to be honest with you, man. Right. You know, we did that. Got back on a ship, went to Djibouti, did some training and some other places, man. In Kenya, did some training off of there, man, and, so yeah, that yeah that like I said, that deployment just wasn't you know it was fun. Don't get me wrong, VBSS is mm-hmm, fun. Mm-hmm. Controlling the streets of Iraq with um, oh dude, this is a funny story. I tell you, man, I was scared to death too, man. <laughs> Not, nothing happened, obviously. So me and another staff NCO, we were out patrolling uh, the streets in Iraq yeah. with the British, with the British and some you know um, some Iraqi you know police or military you know service members or whatever the case. Yeah. It was a huge freaking Iraqi in there, man. I remember his name to this day because he didn't stop saying his name. <laughs> and he, he kept saying, my name is Hakeem. And he kept hitting <laughs> his chest like freaking King Kong, dude. And I was telling, I was telling uh, you know, the other staff in that was with me, say, dude, we're going to have to take this dude down, man. We're going to have to put him down. <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to put this dude on the ground, man. And we 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 both got in a position to where this guy, because you couldn't trust those fools, man. You know no, as well as I do, no, trust the cats, time. man. You know what I mean? So you can trust him. So he kept saying, my name is Hakeem. And he kept walking toward me. 
as oh, if, yeah. like, do I owe you money, partner? Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? He kept, you know, just walking toward our team, and then his buddy calmed him down. Man, this dude was probably six five, six six. Yeah, you don't and, see that often. Yeah, like no, a Bin Laden-looking dude. It was, it was easily two sixty, man. Oh my if god! I, if I would have had to fight that dude, man, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, that, he's that even guy. that good in the Middle East. He's moved. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, for real. it was a yeah. You hundred percent, man. Yeah, dude, he, he's eating that good. He knows somebody. <laughs> they like that him, was big dude. Big now, what dude. year was that? That was uh, two thousand one. That was two thousand three, two thousand four deployment. Okay. Okay. And yeah, so your fun. next unit after that has got to be fast then, because I come in fast. in 04, yeah. Uh, yeah, late into 04 to that, early 05. Yep, yeah. It was, it was fast. And uh, I got taken care of there too, man. So when we get there, when I get there, third fast was just being built. There was first and second, obviously. And third fast was just being built. And he talked to the first sergeant, and we finally moved down to Camp Allen, what's mm-hmm. now called Camp Elmore, excuse me. And so they sent me to, man, I, I got sent to so many different schools. I went to Sawick. I went to HRP. I went to uh, uh, high-risk driving school. Mm-hmm. I went to MACTAP planning school, man, because it took a while. Our platoon wasn't being built for a good six, seven, eight it's months. It was informing man. for a while, yeah. Yeah, it was informing for a while. And we finally picked up our, our our Marines down at BSG, and that's when we started you know, hitting the ground running, man. And you know, me and Captain Gus. We were all prepared, just making, just ready to make some things happen, dude. And you know, we had a good, good training training program. Obviously, because you were there, man. The training was amazing. Time. Well, I missed, I missed all the way up until you guys came home from the PRP, uh, the the security mission. Oh, and uh, Puget Sound. And Puget Sound, that's right. Yeah, because I guess you you must have had two uh, two guys piss hot or something from the platoon coming back yeah. from that, and they yeah. got they got the boot, and then. It was me and Eric Chavez. We were roommates in BSG. Yeah. We were the only two to drop into first, and all yeah. of our peers went into fifth platoon. Yeah. And so we missed like the beginning portion, I would say, of the of the forming of everything until you guys got back from that first. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. So then we well, dropped we, we into did, you guys after that. We did a lot of freaking training, man. I mean, we did so much stuff, man. And okay. there, there, man, I thought my career was over, dude. Uh-oh. I don't know. Were you were you with us at, at Fentress? Where's that? When, what we so doing? it's 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 a it's a, it's a, it's a like an abandoned it's an airfield down in in Virginia. So when we did a black ops in the middle of the night? No, 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 man. We Different were on. Place. So I, I, I yeah. I get. <laughs> oh, I get back that. from. <laughs> I get. Oh yeah. I get back from this high risk driving course, man. I'm thinking I'm freaking Jason Statham and freaking you know <laughs> these driving courses, man. So we were doing these evasive driving maneuvers in these Humvees. And on Fentress, it wasn't smooth concrete. It was mm-hmm. jagged rock because I guess it got all beat up. So uh, was that, what was that Filipino's guy name? That little skinny guy. Do you remember his name? Platoon member? Yeah, he was in the platoon. Uh, it'll come to me. But anyway, he was in the Humvee. And Carlson told him to do a reverse out. <laughs> You hit the gas and do a reverse out. But what happened was is the rubber got caught on the on the on the asphalt mm-hmm. and it flipped the Humvee. I remember that happening. Yeah, with Marines in it, man. And we had a Marine in the in the turret with the machine gun up. The machine machine gun got destroyed. Dude, brother, I swear the only thing that saved that guy was the freaking panel mouth. Yep. I remember that thing that. was pure metal and it kept that Humvee 
from rolling all the way over on his hood. Man. Yep. Yep. Kept it upright. He broke his arm, you know, but he didn't he didn't die. And Who was I that? got out of I wanna say I, I, I know his face, a real skinny guy. I know his face, but I just can't remember his name. But um hmm. but but yeah, dude, I, I thought that I said my career is over, dude. But <laughs> Captain Sieverts, Captain Sieverts, I guess I was he was a fan of mine and it kept it you out of it. Disappeared, man. Yeah. Disappeared, dude. So yeah, I'm, I'm just thankful I wasn't a shit bird, brother, because <laughs> I probably, I probably would have been done training after that, man. Your yeah, was... career might have been over a little sooner. <laughs> done. Oh, man, at Walmart, dude. Well, the, one of the other platoons when they were in Cuba tried to go under a culvert and ripped a 50 off and the whole turret off the top of the truck. And yeah. and they weren't very lucky in the end of that. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Well, yeah, man. Wow. So that was Fast Company, man. Then got promoted Gunny, did the company Gunny thing over there. Yeah, because you left when we were in Cuba, didn't you? Isn't that where you did your yeah. turnover? You came home early from Cuba. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did, sure did, man. Where'd you go after that? After uh, security forces or yeah. uh, fast, I went to I went to be an instructor down at the Staff NCO Academy. Okay. Yeah, because Master Gunny Knox, he was a monitor at the time, and he said, "Man, I need you guys. I need you to go to third, third." He was the reason why I went to third fast. He said, "We're building this new unit. I need staff from South." I said, "Yeah, man, I'll do it." He said, "I'll send you anywhere you want to go after that." So yeah. I went out there, formed a, a, a fast company with uh, I don't know if you remember Staff Sergeant Hill, Gunny uh, Second Platoon Sergeant. That's on Hill. You probably don't remember him. He had glasses. White guy. White guy. He wore glasses, but not all the time. Bald yeah, dude. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So he and I were the first ones on deck, and he had second between I had first, and we. That's I guess we pretty much got the ball rolling. You know. Oh yeah. On that third fast man, and but after that, I went to Staff SEO Academy. I was an instructor career course. You know, uh, with staff sergeants, and man, I tell you what, in PT, I used to just. I used to just level these guys and yells, yeah. man. Yeah, level dude, with PT. And that's good though. They need that. They need that that level, especially outside of the infantry uh, community. Yeah. 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 And ironically, man, I didn't have any grunts up in corn. I had a few, but there wasn't a lot of grunts up there, man. It's a lot of admin support guys and gals, and you know, because the grunts went to either Pendleton, in Lejeune, or you know, Okinawa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For those for the you know academies and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, that was a good time, man. Learned yeah. a lot there. How to be an instructor on a podium, and yeah, that's you know. different. That's that's definitely takes some learning. And I'm glad for that, though. I mean, that that's huh, the stuff that that the podium and teaching from the podium had given me yeah. for the rest of my life, as far as you know, just like uh, public speaking um, yeah. and public communication with people. And and you know, man, the more and more I, I deal with people, especially underneath my age from the next generation, it's hard to get them to look at you in the eyes. It's hard to get oh them. They're God. very timid just talking. You know, when yeah. I was at the university, you know, I'd give the proper greeting of the day to some kid walking by me, and it's like they get uncomfortable and look around like I had offended them or something. They don't want to look up <laughs> at you. It's like, oh, my yeah. goodness, man. Like, what do you do? Like, it even comes out of the uh, out of out of the businesses. They're contacting the colleges, saying, "Hey, the interpersonal communication skills are shot. We need to do something yeah. about this." But they're smart yeah. as a whip, but if they can't practically apply that in the job setting, what am I supposed to do with them? Yeah. And so that's yeah. something I got from Podium, uh, especially at ITB. I became the tactics instructor group for Mount, the the package lead, and so I would teach you know a couple hundred Marines at a time in the in the big rooms, nice. and and that made yeah. it. You know, kind of broke me in for for public oh, speaking. Yeah, that's good stuff. 
Yeah. You taught mount, huh? Yeah, I taught mount. I taught it for about a year at the battalion level. Yeah, that's enough to make you a Jedi. That's for damn sure. I got my mount from y'all, and <laughs> and, and, and AUC shoot. Yeah, AUC was AUC's a, good course. a badass school. You know, no, course, no doubt, it was a good course, man. So yeah, instructor, uh, good times there. I only spent uh, two, probably two and a half, two years, two and a half years, because I got selected master on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you right now, brother. It took me a long time to get back into the infantry. And, yeah, and yeah. I'll kind of explain why. So I got selected mass arm, and they were building this new unit of 29 Palms called McTalk. And I know you heard of it. So went down there, you know, we, we, we would teach, you know, you know, battalions and, you know, regiments, you know, COC operations and, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Good time. Our, 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 our group, our team got, you know, assigned to, you know, Georgian battalion. The 31st Georgian Battalion. So we went over to, to Tbilisi, Georgia, like mm-hmm. three or four times, man, training, training the 31st Battalion. And they went over to Afghanistan and got smoke checked, man. They, they, they lost mm-hmm. a lot of people. That was horrible. But yeah, I went to McTaug, was there for, to, I learned so much about being an ops chief, man. I hated it because we were busy all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in hindsight, man, I learned so much about how to run a COC at the battalion and regimental level. It, it set me up for huge success, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. huge success, man. And then left there again, you know, D, not D, I was a D. I, I forget one of the monitors, but he had no spots for me. Cause obviously, you know, the higher up you get, yeah, on it gets smaller. Rank chart, it is like very, like there's only one, what one master sergeant in a battalion. I think as an O three, you're, you're ops guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. The weapons company ops chief, man, at that time, so he's like, I got no spots in battalions, man. So he sent me back to the missile where I said back to the air wing. I went to an NWSS where I was the um I replaced Donald Wilson, good guy, man. He's a retired master gunny now. Mm-hmm. So I went to an NWSS where I, I taught them machine guns, I taught them, you know, tactics about security and things of that nature. Cause it was a an an air wing unit, but they provided security for the airfield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All their guys, you know, because they would do airfield operations they had water purifiers they had you know tankers and you yep. know all these guys so i taught them you know basic infantry and machine gun stuff patrolling you know things of that nature and that was a good time and i got i was fortunate enough to be chosen for the deployment with second ma as a senior list advisor for mwss going over and so yeah i was a senior list advisor for that deployment to uh, leatherneck okay and when yeah. was that that was in 2013. So, so I got to, I got to, um, I'm going to go back a little bit. I got to 1-4 in 14. So 2013 is when I was on that deployment. Check. Afghanistan with, um, and again, setting up stuff for security, just teaching them security stuff, building, you know, bunkers, machine gun bunkers. And, you know, because you remember, obviously, you know, that, uh, that, air, that airfield, they got hit. Yeah, out there by those you know those guys that busted through there. So on that exact airfield, we were kind of beefing it up, you know, to you know make mi- sure it didn't happen again. Make sure that trash didn't happen again, man. So yeah. it's crazy because had- we staged on Leatherneck for Operation Mosh Rock, and mm-hmm. it's just such a big base. And then you know after our deployment, you hear that it's getting hit, and the, they killed some jets and they killed some marines, and right. it's like. How did they even like that's a that's a ballsy little element to yeah. I mean straight suicide mission and they had to know that going into it but uh, oh yeah but but it was almost unconscionable to me I almost didn't believe it like no they didn't 
they didn't attack but, Leatherneck, but they did. But, but if you would, if you would have gone out there and looked at the ground from the vantage point of the Marines, you could see how they were able to get in. So much dead space, so many blind mm-hmm. spots. Man. And I think and they, they had just, ghost posts at that point too. That were just posts that were were unmanned. Um, yep, that was probably a mistake, eh? Yeah, that was a huge mistake, man. You know, yeah. But no, I guess they fixed things up, man, and you know, had more eyes out there. They they covered, yeah. they had more cover more areas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we you know helped build machine gun posts out there for that reason. You know, yeah. there's something to be said. Like I understand we got to watch money and we're trying to help you know beef things up. But almost every deployment I did, all my combat deployments, we had third world nationals working on our bases, and yep. I think there's something to that too. Like. I'm not sure that's the smartest thing, and I'm not, you know, who am I? I'm nobody. But when you think about attacks happening like that and 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 people infiltrating a base, it's like I would probably start right there with who's coming in and out of base every day that we don't have a clue who they are and jingle truck convoys and porter yeah, shitter convoys and food convoys and things of this nature. So we, yeah. I, I don't know if it's like a complacency or if we just can't facilitate it at the level that they can, but – uh, that always made me feel uncomfortable, I would say. It definitely made me feel uncomfortable. And I do, you know, it is complete. It's, you know, taking things for granted, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, mm-hmm. as, a, as a big military, you know what I mean? You hire all these third world nationals. It's cheap labor for sure because, yeah. you, you know, you get a civilian over there. Nah, bro, I want six figures to do this job. I'm in a, I'm in a crappy area. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get some, you know, guys from, I think, some Africans that were over there, some all these different nationalities cheap labor in the chow halls you know getting them guys working in chow halls. yeah like, that, yeah yeah it always made me feel weird yeah mm. but know. i did that deployment man and finally finally took my my ass to one four i got i went to one four back to horno man i was ecstatic about that mm. but i only spent a year there as a weapons company ops chief man because then i got promoted to i got selected master guns yeah i, I was ready to freaking you know retire my wife's like no nah, man just take a picture <laughs> Just take a picture, dude. You know what I mean, and we'll see what happens. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. And I had applied to go to, you know, Pitt Pitt University. Got accepted to the master's program over there, so I was going to go to school, you know, for exercise science in my master's. And then the numbers came out. I didn't even pay attention to anything, man. I got a text <laughs> from my boy Sanford. He was like, "Congratulations, Master Guns." I'm like, "Man, what the fuck are you talking about, dude?" And yeah, I guess like I better go gun. look at that. I better go look at that message. <laughs> I, I had to look at it several times, man. I mean, mass guns, one, four, six. I mean, yeah, this is me, dude. That's it. You know what I mean? I, you know, it, it just changed everything. You know, man, this just changed everything. Where'd you and, go for that? Oh, to as a master gunny. Mm-hmm. I went. I went back to Twenty Nine Palms, dude, because no one. I was right. They they needed a guy one one who was right behind us, man. They needed a guy. Um, in another unit down in Mateo, and no one wanted to go to 29 Palms. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to go to 29 Palms. I said, you know what, dude? I'll do it. I'll go to 29 Palms. My wife liked it out there. I said, I never did an infantry battalion out there. I got it. Yeah. Went out there, man. The best decision, the best decision of my freaking career, dude. Mm. I got to, you know, my OPSO and my, my OPSO major, he's a lieutenant colonel now. He's got 1-8. Will Kerrigan, dude. That dude, love that guy like a brother, man. He was my opso man. We had a phenomenal battalion, mm. phenomenal battalion. And my experience at McTalk, you know, teaching battalion and regimental COCs, dude, we smoke checked every evolution. We went out there, man. You know, operationally with the with the guys on the grounds and inside mm. the COC, man. We we had our our shit in one side, brother. Yeah, and well, we, if your shit's not tight at the top, then it can only be so tight at the bottom. 
But if your shit's um, tight at the top, then it's a matter of training, and oh, you can man. get the bottom tightened up nice. Oh yeah, yeah. that's we, awesome. We had a phenomenal unit. Our seal was good. He was smartest dude I ever met. Our XO was incredible. You know, OPSO was legit. My whole in my S three shop, I, I hand selected some dudes because you know what they do. They send the crap up there. I was like, yep. Nah, dog. Yep. You know, I, I'm not taking crap up here because I want this machine to run well. Mm -hmm. and that's why we had a, we had a badass team, dude. Mm -hmm. And we just we just smooth operated oh man smooth hmm. then we did the sp magtaf under fifth marine regiment. so then you do the uh you said special magtaf with fifth marine regiment yeah because each regiment would float through there as the uh the lead sled dog and the regiments would spend a year out there and you know we would spend just like seven months so we had um obviously kuwait security element kuwait we had a, a company in jordan which is a cool place mm -hmm. and then uh another company in iraq that makes things uh doesn't that make things um operationally when you're spread out like that wouldn't that make things more it, difficult it does but the relationship changed once they left kuwait you What's know what i mean, mean? They, they they fell under another command okay you know what I mean? okay like on on the back we had some guys at the back at the embassy and, and so they fell under a different unit out there a different command out there so we had what is operational control they had you know tactical control of check it. you know same, same with the uh the unit that was i forget which father was in iraq that colonel out there had take on of them we just had operational control of them. so okay you know, just okay gotcha yeah, that's how, yeah my rco so he flew out all the time man so he was always constantly seeing them just yeah. traveling from from one traveling. to the other checking in on them stuff like that yeah yep. he was always on the road and dang ospreys and i hated them damn things but you neither here nor there I, I hate them too. I still hate them today. They keep wrecking oh. and killing Marines. Their entire their entire existence, they've been killing Marines unnecessarily, exactly. in my opinion. Exactly. Man. Now, I don't know about this this one up in Norway. I haven't seen like the, a lot of its um, a lot of the details on it are not are, are being kept close to the close to the right. vest, obviously, and I get that. But I have a couple of guys. One of my good buddies, um, shout out Joey Parvin. He's uh, he's over there in their squadron, and and he still doesn't understand why. And Osprey would go up in a whiteout, and a pilot would yeah. sign for the bird, you know. So that that to me is, you know, it, it's weird. I don't know why you would risk it. It seems like unnecessary loss of life to me, especially if you know the entire squadron was grounded. And, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but things like that are weird to me. This other one, this training accident, like, yeah, I don't know. You know, in in my time in the air wing, I kind of learned some things and how pilots have to get hours. Mm -hmm. You know, especially ones that, that carry troops, you know, they got to get so many night hours. They got to get so many MBG hours. They got to get so many different hours and, you know, with troops, with Marines in the back, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure spitballing here that it was one of those deals where he was he had to get a call and he's like, I'm I'm pushing. And and that's mm -hmm. what, you know, freaking out, man. speculation, man, because they always got to get certain hours with, with you know, no, so it, no, that makes more sense than anything else that I've thought up right now because I couldn't imagine why in the world would you ever have your back against the wall during a storm to a point where you'd say, yeah, I'll sign for the aircraft even right. though nobody's supposed to go out. I got this. It yeah. seems a bit presumptuous and a little cocky. You oh, know? And, and I'm not trying to kick the man when he's down. I, like That's not what I'm trying to do, but we should prevent this from continuing to happen and oh, continuing yeah, to happen. You know, so... The needless and senseless loss of life or preventable life is something that, you know, I always had. It was always a pet peeve of mine 
And it seemed yeah. just to be like, oh, we can accept a certain amount of that. But, you know, HKA happening, the the pull out of Afghanistan and that, that whole debacle when that went down, I mean, that just broke me. Like, what are we doing? You know, yeah. and, um, we don't have to get too much into it. I've kind of beat it to death on the show, but it was <laughs> it was just needless and senseless Absolutely. and pl- yeah. poor planning and 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 horrible, you know, needless, needless loss of life, in my opinion. So. Anyway, so uh, one thing I wanted to touch on about 29 Palms is that's a place, you know, everybody hates it. It's a stump. You don't have anything out there. But, like, if you're a squad leader out there, I never got the chance. You could – the most the most lethal squads should come out of there. Dude, you, they, 29 they Palms can't – I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. No, no. I'm just – no, I was just saying. they should. There should never be an issue where you say, I don't have a very good squad and I have all of this room to train. No way. No way. You know. I get it. Kent Wilson is a crap hole. I got it, man. You know what I mean? It's 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 not a good place. And that's where people get their, you know, their view of what 29 Palms is all about. Mm-hmm. When you permit personnel there, that is a different world. It mm-hmm. is a different world. And you know, living there. And like you said, man, there is there isn't anything you cannot do in 29 Palms as a as an infantry marine. Yeah. It's all right there. Everything. All right, man. Everything. You got you got everything there. Fire team, squad, platoon company, you got everything, man. Indirect yep. fire, you know cast you name it you can do it yep that's right that's that's one of the reasons i know i know when we were looking at orders way back in the day i was i was looking at it like i kind of want to go there because a squad leader can take his guys up 410 if he wants to or 410 alpha and and get some good training on you can square it away yourself and you just can't do that here um and i stayed here uh here being lejeune my whole career basically i was on the east coast and so never never had the pleasure but that was one of those places where where I definitely, I seen the romantic infantryman side of it rather than the, yeah, the unromantic you know, like positioning yeah. of it. So, yeah, hell yeah. yeah, I loved it. I loved it out there, man. I did. I did. Once I left two seven, man, I went to my last unit, brother, and I was uh, I was the ops chief regimental ops chief at back at security force regiment. Where, oh, okay. You know, yeah, man, I was the ops chief out there. Was that in Norfolk or? It was, we were in Yorktown. Oh, Yorktown, okay. Yeah, we still had, for a little while, Third Fast, which is now Charlie Fast, stepped down, still down in Camp Elmore, but then now everyone's moved up to Yorktown because they were building barracks for everyone, and, you know, Second Fast obviously was still up there. So all three Fast companies are up there, and, you know, again, being at that level gave me a different idea of what those, those guys go through, what we went through. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in in the platoons, man. It's mm-hmm. um, it's even now more so because I think they took away two platoons from each company or one platoon from each company because the commandant wanted to get you know more marine infantry marines back in the fleet mm-hmm. for deployments. So you know, all the fast platoons got you know sh- companies got shrank. Yeah, by one platoon, one or two platoons, I believe. You know what I mean? Hmm. So well, they had five, right? When they were full, they had uh. Was it more than that? Six. Six, okay. Six, six platoons. Okay. Yep. At any one given time. Once once one comes back, they break down and you know, other ones forming. So at any given time when they're all full up round, there's about there's six platoons. Yeah. Six platoons. Six. And then they drew that down to five or four in some cases. Yeah. 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 Each company got one or two taken away. I can't remember the number, but yeah. Check. Yeah. 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 What are they doing? What are they looking at right now? Like when you were there last, what were they doing? Like quick reaction forces, Bahrain, stuff like that still going on? Just being in zone or no? 
they they were in 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 zone man and we still had platoons deploying to you know the Bahrain, Japan, and Spain. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think where where we kind of got you know a little bit ticked off because our mission as fast as to go in and reinforce embassies whenever needed yep. or reinforce anything. So when, when the embassy over in Iraq, you know, come under attack, I think, I think it, I think it was 18 or 19. It come under, it came under attack. Mm-hmm. They had a fast platoon out there, man. They didn't get, they didn't get the call, man. It was a, it was an infantry company from. Didn't from trust the them. Did they? It's not that they didn't trust them. And the thing is, man, fast company, when they deployed the seventh fleet, fifth fleet, they're under an admiral. They belong oh, to an yeah. admiral out there. You know what I mean? And he's like, these are my toys, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, mm-hmm. take, take, you know, Bahrain, for example. You have, you know, 5th Meb out there, 51-5, who's a Marine general. You know what I mean? That fast platoon could easily fall under 51-5 instead of a naval a Navy admiral who has no idea, maybe, on how to employ those guys. Yeah, on what their capabilities or specialties are. Exactly. I would venture to say that a fast platoon trained up is probably, I'm not going to say they're better, but they're geared mentally more towards that mission than the regular infantry would be. They I are. think you might have less issues uh, if, it, if it really got kinetic. Hyde. Yeah, I think that's what Chapter Hyde, mm-hmm. when they were right there and didn't get the call. That yeah. is their job, and they didn't get the call. We was like, man, what are we doing? Yeah, like specifically their job. It's specifically their job yeah. to reinforce an embassy. Yeah, out there, man, and then he gets a call. So he's like, "Man, what are we doing?" Yeah, we ended up we ended up getting to do a little bit of that in Bahrain. So you left us in Cuba, and then we ended up doing the Neo in 2006 out of Bahrain, out of out of uh, Beirut, Lebanon, Hopkins' huh? squad and CC yeah. squad, and uh, and then we have helped float these, you know, like American citizens. It was a feel good mission, you know what I mean? Like it was definitely the first time I had. In my Lance Corporal days, been in zone and seen a tank and seen rockets exploding and or that had just exploded. But it was yeah. like we were going there to get American citizens and their families out of this war-torn city. Yeah. And and there was some feel-good to that. And and I think the strike group commandeered like a ferry boat and a cruise liner. And then we yeah. upped them with 50s and 240s and put these people on them and floated them back to Cyprus. But that was cool. a cool mission that we all got to, you know, yeah, kind man. of take part in. Awesome. Yeah. Holy crap. That's good to go. Yeah, our whole our whole platoon got uh, got a little action in that. Your whole platoon got a little action in that. So that was pretty cool. Um, it was a cool thing to start to start the career off with, like a Cuba and a Bahrain, and kind of break in easy because, like, when I when I pushed margin ten, we took guys from SOI ten days before we pushed. You know, no these guys came out of school after we got back from pre deployment leave, and yeah. it was like get them a battle zero and a SIF draw and like let's go you know what i mean and and there's something to be said about that you know um you know some of them didn't make it some of them you know most of them made it made it back but these dudes were coming back and were time and service pfc still stacked up do you know what i mean yeah man and you know that's cool you know that's one of those things throughout my career i had this one pfc uh pfc bradshaw shout out terry he come home, you know, he's PFC time and grade, but he's got, you know, Afghan campaign. He's, you know, got, he's got all this stuff that he got on the deployment. And, uh, you know, you got a corporal checking in from fast company during, during the buildup. And this corporal yeah. writes in the duty log book, uh, soda machine, all secure vending machine, all secure, like just, just belligerent, stupid bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, 
old Terry Bradshaw, PFC, walks in there and, like, reading him up the right act, dude, just getting in his ass, right? And I thought it was great. Well, then this corporal want to charge him for, like, yeah, because it's PFC, it's a non-commissioned officer. Anyway, I had to go up and uh, me and some other Marines run some interference and be like, hang on, sir, uh, hang on, guys. There's no reason yeah. to do this. We'll, we'll get Terry in, in order. But, yeah, this guy's, like, treating him like shit and – this dude was an animal for seven months after coming straight out of school. You want to talk about tri- trial by fire, literally. So I'm just saying, I'm glad I didn't have it like that. I'm glad I got to grow into it a bit. I think yeah. that helped me. So, so, okay. Uh, it, master guns. And, and are you, a, is this your last unit before you retire? Yes. Yeah. Spirit Force Regiment was my last so unit. You, so you stayed right there, infantry yeah. in and then infantry on the way out. Yeah. Or no, yeah. fast, fast on the way out, but it's still infantry. Yeah, still infantry, man. Yep, infantry and infantry out, dude. So, and did you go to school during the time when you were still in and get your degrees, or did you wait until you got out and get that wrapped up? I, I did. I went to, so my first, bat, my bachelor's was with AMU, American Military University, and I finished that before I deployed <clears throat> the MWSS to, to Leatherneck. I finished that, and I come back from there. I'm like, man, what the heck am I going to do? And, you know, and that's when I started. When I left, I started 2-7 a little bit, but then I started working on this last unit, you know, to finish my my master's in human performance and then finished that there and then went on to get my uh, master's in nutrition and wellness, mm-hmm. you know, after that, man. So I was still in. And my unit, man, because I, I had to do an internship mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for my degree, for my, my degree. So, and my CEO, he was like, absolutely, man, because we as you – know, the Marine Corps do young Marines a disservice by not letting them transition out. We work them to the last day. Yep. Like you're getting out tomorrow. You got duty to duty today. So, and we just, we just don't transition them well. Mm-hmm. And we don't set them up for, and that, that, that was always a problem with me. You know what I mean? I don't want to, you know, talk bad about anybody, but our, some of our 89 99s just don't, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, they're all about, driving driving mission 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 i get it but you got to have the the human factor involved you get you got to take care of the marine mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't do that man you're not gonna they're not gonna be loyal yeah you know what I mean? yeah you and wonder I, why you have a retention problem right and, yeah uh, absolutely and it's like man i give you a couple pointers of reasons why people aren't staying in you only need a couple but there's a no, bunch of reasons especially yeah. with this generation that went and did kinetic fighting for you and then come back on the backside and some of these things man if you want to look at retention you got to think about those things you got to think about what what they're doing and i'm i'm not sold that our current seps and taps process is is sufficient enough for guys transitioning out in my estimation at least the one i did and i've been out six years now so it's maybe it's come come along but it was not good and for guys that are coming out of kinetic fights it should be way longer like they want to do a do a ten day steps and taps and you're good and it's like no, you're doing them death by PowerPoint. Half of them aren't listening. You're not telling them the things that they need to be need to be told, yeah. uh, at least not all the things they need to be told. And um and a lot of the steps and taps transition process, especially for infantry guys, in my opinion, can be time. And I know you don't want to do that because then that's time away and boat spaces away. But like make a unit, make something where these guys can get a little distance. They can train. They can do an internship like you're talking about. You set them up. Either they're in school or they're in an internship, kind of like maybe the Wounded Warrior Battalion does things this way. And 
the, the productivity outside the Marine Corps is going to jack. And when these guys feel like you care about them over long periods of time, then your yeah. attention problems are not going to be so bad. Hundred percent. And um, yeah, man, I think I, your word disservice. That was a perfect word for it because the same word that that I would use is that it is a disservice for somebody, a national treasure that gave you their youth that you can't turn around and give them an opportunity better than what you're giving them on the backside. Yeah, and when I went as a as a as an E nine, I think they got it backwards. If you ask me, I would flip it because. As an E9, you got E8s, E9s, you know, 0506s, you know, retiring. And they go through this, you know, retirement, you know, getting out seminar where you got guys coming in, you know, teaching you how to interview, helping you write your freaking resume, things of that nature. You yep. flip it around, man. I yep. think the young the young guys that are getting on after four years, they need that. It should they be part that. of the seps and taps. It should be part of their out process mm-hmm. to get hooked up with a job. Hey, man, I'm this is a, a hiring fair, job fair. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. I teach them interview skills, teach them how to write a resume. They don't do that, mm-hmm. and they just, just got it backwards. Yep, yep, couldn't agree more. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I can't. I, it, it's backwards. It's backwards for sure. And, and these are good guys. These are guys that have real skills, real. Uh, real communication skills, real, um, you know, steadfast dedication to something bigger than their self. And I'm not saying the eights and nines don't, they do as well, but these young guys can still make an impact on today's business world, like in a good yeah. way. And these guys could still given the opportunity, uh, go into Congress, Senate, things like that in the future and do good things and have good impacts. But if we're not taking care of them from the outset and we're not looking out from them, uh, or for them and their well-being, then you know the chances of doing that are still there, but the opportunity is smaller, uh, yeah. in my opinion, at least for most people. Um, yeah, I just heard about this. Um, I, I I did a recording yesterday. Uh, a guy named Jonathan Rose, and he's at the Wounded Warrior uh, Regiment as an uh, mm-hmm. advocate for injured, ill, and, and wounded Marines. And uh, he did a two-year stint at the Hill, though, as an intern at the Hill, where he was in a member's office. And basically his, um, and this is an active duty position. And it was after he got wounded and damaged up, but I didn't even know like stuff like that existed, yeah. which, which is good. I'm glad that kind of stuff exists because that does need to be cross pollinated, especially when you look at like the fact that, you know, our nation, our nation's military is controlled by citizens and those mm-hmm. citizens are Congress and that a lot of our Congress people all the way until Russia did a main invasion, they didn't really understand there was a war on that side of the country. And it's like since 2014, there's been war going on there. So the fact that you didn't know it was real until now says something <laughs> about how disconnected maybe you are and you're a leader of this nation. Yeah. And so, and you know, a big part of my show, I want to bridge that civilian military divide. And I think we can do that through dialogue and communication and knowledge being spread out from guys like yourself, guys like John and, um, uh, so where's it look like for you now? You retired, you got your, uh, you got your education while you were in and now you're doing Davis performance and nutrition and, and talk to me about that a little bit. So, yeah, man. And like I said, my stint in recon kind of, you know, drove me toward that passion to, you know, improve performance across the board. And then during my studies, I started to understand it. it was more than just going out running, more than just going out throwing some steel around in the weight room. It was all about one, a mindset, you know, definitely having a mindset to want to be a physical specimen. And, and two, understanding what it is you're going in there to do, understanding what your goals are in terms of how, you know, the fitness that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing is probably the recovery aspect. 
Because you know as well as I do, man, the infantry, they, they work you to death, man. They recovery, recovery smothery, dude. They ain't, they ain't about that trash. You know what yeah, I mean? And they just need to understand. They just need to, you just got to understand that, you know, and that's what, that's why my passion for this is so, so huge. And not just for military, first responders, mm. you know, older gentlemen that needs to get back in shape, that wants to get back in shape, but don't know how to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you don't know what you don't know, but you got to ask the questions. That's right. You know what I mean, so, you know, I, I'm all about educating people. I'm not going to, you know, I think there's a lot of things I write. I'm not going to be, there's no cookie cutter programming with me, man. Cause everybody's built different. Everybody's metabolism different mm-hmm. and everybody responds to physical fitness different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Take me, for example, you take me and try and train me for a marathon. That ain't happening, dude, because my body's not built that built that way. Yep. You know, genetically I am gifted to, to lift weights and be a, you know, a strong, a strong athlete. I'm not going to have the speed, you know, necessarily like a, a marathon runner, but I'll have some serious endurance mm-hmm. you know, be, to be able to keep up with being able to carry the gear, being able to carry the load. You know what I mean? Because if you got a guy that can run like the wind, but his strength isn't there, he's not yep. going to be able to carry the load like you need to be. So it's, you just got to have that well-rounded, you know, and I now I understand if I were to go back and recount, I would understand what I needed to do to increase my performance and allow my recovery with nutrition, with sleep, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine, man. And, you know, that's why I'm passionate about this because, you know, there are Marines that don't know, you know, they struggle with trying to get in shape, but they don't know what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. don't know how to do it. And we send some Marines to, you know, the, these hit courses and things of that nature, but they don't get into the, the, the physiology of exercise and human performance. There's yeah. more to it than going out and running and lifting weights. Yeah. You have to understand, you know, the energy systems, the recovery process, and, you know, just understand how to train an individual. That's right. And I know that sleep is a huge part of it, and it's a huge part of any recovery from anything, not just, not just you know, uh, physical workouts, but, but your mental gets recovered with your yeah. sleep as well. And, you know, a lot of that goes by the wayside, especially in the infantry community. And, like – I feel like, okay, so if guys wanted to reach out to you and they wanted to to set up a program with you as far as weight training, conditioning, nutrition, how would they go about that? So on my on my website, you go to my homepage and it says you need a strength and conditioning coach, you know, get more information. They will click on that and they will fill out this form. It's a little bit lengthy, but I, I ask the questions, you know, I ask kind of the right questions because it kind of helps me understand where they're at mm-hmm. and where they want to mm-hmm. go, understand mm-hmm. where their nutrition is. And, you know, what they don't know about nutrition and how to go about, you know, creating a program. And we'll sit down and talk however long it takes and, you know, kind of figure out, you know, what it is we need to do to get this individual, you know, cholesterol down, high blood pressure down, you know, whatever it is they're trying to accomplish to make them get those individuals healthy, you know, and we'll try something. And and I'm in constant contact with my uh, the athletes I do have on my my program just to see how they're doing. And mm-hmm. if something's not working, we change it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, this isn't working. We need to change it. Roger that dude. We'll change it up. We'll try this nutrition tweak here, that there with the program and nutrition, man, because until you get it right, until they get it right, what program works best for them, they're not going to gain traction, you know? And this is where a lot of folks get frustrated in, in when it comes to, you know, physical fitness, you know, because we live in a, you know, instant gratification generation, mm-hmm. if they're not seeing results in a week, two weeks, they want to quit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks that way because, because my programs are minimum 12 weeks long. 
mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at a minimum eight weeks, eight weeks to 10 weeks is when you start seeing the results. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? It's not instant. You know what I mean? And, and they quit and changing their mindset and their behavior in that is probably the hardest part of any physical fitness program, any training program mm-hmm. is changing an individual's mindset and getting into want to, to train, to like want be to on less it. of a, I'm on a diet mindset and more of I'm changing right. my entire lifestyle mindset. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Now. And, and what, so what's the website again? And I'm going to put your information up here. You guys will see it uh, momentarily, but go ahead. And what, it, what, uh, yeah. Davis performance and nutrition.com. Yep. Check. Yeah. All one word, Davis performance and nutrition.com, man. And they can go there and, and check it out. I got, you know, eBooks on there to talk, you know, free, free stuff. They want to check it out, you know, and I also have a link in there to go to train heroic. I'm adding, you know, more programs that they can buy a program and take it and run with it. And, you know, they can work out on their own or they can contact me for a one-on-one coaching, Hell you yeah. know, and you will get them right. And at the end of the day, man, my goal is to not keep a client forever. My yeah. goal is to teach them habits that they can do and sustain this for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, if after six, six, six weeks or six months, you're done with me, Roger, that dude, I get my job because now you have the tools that you need to go out there and be healthy. And not only for you, but for your kids, because your kids are going to fall in your footsteps, man. And if you're healthy, that's just going to, you know, go from generation to generation. So you, if you can stop the cycle right now, that, that's huge, you know, because sure. genetically, if we're killing our bodies with bad things, you know, unfortunately, it passes on to our kids when, when, the, when the parents conceive kids, they now have those bad genes. And it takes, they say it takes at least two generations to get rid of those bad genes. And although you can't change it, but it takes a little while. Got to break so it. Yeah, to break that that cycle, man. And if you just understand, you know, healthy eating, and I'm not talking about chicken, bland chicken, rice, and broccoli. No way, man. It, it, it's not even about that. It's about changing your behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and what you do. Uh, you can still eat your 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 favorite foods. You know what I mean? It's about changing your behavior and changing how you look at at food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I did a keto diet a couple years back. I was just kind of like not happy with where I was at. I knew I needed yeah. to get back to the gym, but I wanted, and I know it's not necessarily a healthy diet, but one thing that it did for me mentally was it showed me how to eat to feed the machine versus eating because I'm bored or eating because I like exactly. the taste of something. And I went hard on it. I went no sugar. I drank nothing but water and I really did it up. And I mean, I, I put 30 pounds down in 90 days. And it wow. was like, oh, my God. Then I got back in the gym. And since then, I've just changed it. Like, it changed over in my mind that, uh, you know, I'm going to eat when I'm – I'm going to eat when I need to need to eat. And I'm going to eat what I need to eat yeah. in order to fuel myself. And, like, I even eat differently yeah. and treat myself differently before recordings and before, you know, before sessions where I'm recording because I think better. Like, when I'm, when I'm eating yeah. healthy, when I have a proper exercise routine – my memory, my cognition, my, you know, my acquisition of words and thoughts is just way more fluent than it is if I'm eating like shit, if I haven't been in the gym and I just don't feel at the top of my game. So if that's you guys out there and you're feeling like you need a little bit of help, a little booster, um, definitely get on here. You guys can see the information on the screen now and, uh, and, and get to these website, give, give Ty, uh, a shout out and, and get on one of these programs, get yourself together. If not for yourself, like Ty said, for your kids and for the next you know generation, get those habits, you know, broken now so that we can, uh, we can push on a more healthier lifestyle afterwards. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, Ty, I want to give you the last couple of minutes here and just kind of give shout out to, um, 
transitioning veterans, veterans, and uh, and your population of people to, for your programs, as well as the hitters that maybe maybe uh, need to hear something from you and, and uh, look right at them. What do you got for them? Yeah, for sure, man. I say, you know, I'll talk about, you know, for the Marines that are still on active duty, man. Just, you know, keep keep driving forward and just, you know, learn as much as you can. Learn as much as you absolutely can to be proficient at your job. And, you know, I know sometimes being in a unit and, you know, having some leaders can be tough. But as long as you understand the mission and understand the commander's intent and you you, you take care of your Marines, you're going to be absolutely successful, man. You, the first and foremost, you got to take care of the young Marines because those are one. Of, those are going to be the ones that's going to make you successful, you know. And just enjoy the Marine Corps, man. I, I loved every minute of it, you yeah. know, man. And I hate that I retired, but I had to go thirty years. But it's all Time's good. Up. Man. Time's yeah. up. Time's hey, up. one more thing, Ty. Do you got uh, social media for your for your business? Re- is that up and running, or is it just straight to your platform on your website? No, no, I got a, uh, I got, I'm on Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh, Is that Davis Performance? Yeah, Davis Performance and Nutrition on on Facebook. Okay. Of course, I got my regular, you know, Facebook page under, you know, Ty Davis. And then once you find me, they can look and see if that my business page on there. And then on Instagram, you know, I got, you know, Davis Performance Nutrition on Instagram, as well as my Ty, my personal one, Ty Davis 0399 uh, on there. All right, easy day. Get after it, guys. Ty, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the lessons early in life and, and then you uh, you following through and hooking up with me later in life here. It's been an honor to have you on the show, and, um, and thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Thanks. All right, guys. Uh, Ty Davis is officially off the hook, and I'm going to kick it over to Matt and get your thoughts on the episode. That was, again, my first platoon sergeant back when I was in Fast Company and uh somebody who i've been longing to speak to on the podcast for some time now so um matt what'd you think dude good episode he's uh he's kind of a character he's uh he's very serious but he's at the same time he he's uh you know you see this big guy and he's you know got a deep voice and then he starts joking and in the beginning in the intro whenever he uh started laughing at your story that was uh just gave it away that it was true yeah it just gave it all of the validity in the world right (laughs) and that was a crazy that was a crazy time i was learning a lot as a young boot yeah uh, old ty davis so um and and you guys check out you you need workout plans you need um meal plans macros micros you want to build long-term uh muscle and endurance uh check his programs out Again, you know, if you need to run the podcast back, we're going to have the flyers, uh, his business flyers up that you've seen. You can go back, pause, get the information off there and definitely reach out. Um, a Marine's Marine and a guy knows what he's talking about. Well-educated on the health and uh, exercise sciences and just a, a truly a man of character for sure. Man of character. Um, another thing that it, he brought up in his early career when he <clears throat> went to the air wing. As an infantryman, I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. think that that ever happened. You know, it's kind of crazy. I don't know what the uh, the reasons were for it, but it's the Marine Corps, so there really doesn't have to be a reason, does there? Um, no, there doesn't. So, and then when he when he talked about recovery in the infantry, I just had to, I ha- I was literally laughing as he was saying it, <laughs> just talking about what recovery in the infantry there is no recovery oh, yeah. in the infantry it's just yeah. break your body down as much as you can and just live life 
And if you're not doing like it, when I was in, younger, if you're not doing it in training, you're probably doing it at the bar, breaking your body down. So I mean, either way, that's just kind of the life life of an infantryman. Yeah, you'd think of an infantryman as this gnarly, big, you know, tatted up, muscular dude running, you know, making his kit look small. It's just not the case. You don't have the availability for a regimented workout, regimented eating plan, and we probably should. We yep. make more lethal fighters. Um, well, that was my other point was why don't we have coaches at at least the regimental level, a, a regimental coach a team for that can you know, do I'm, battalion and battalion. I've been removed so long that I don't know that they don't have that. Maybe but so. One thing that I do know is that they've come a long way, at least over at the Wounded Warrior Battalion, um, because, you know, we had um, Kyle O'Toole. Had Kyle O'Toole on before, who's the head strength and conditioning coach over there. And I mean, this guy's college educated, coming, got, got recruited kind of out of a college for the for the job. And it's just really flourishing over there. But he's somebody who is very red in, just like Ty, very educated on it. And they're coming off some money to get those guys over there to help uh, help get, you know, recovering RSMs, recovering service members back in a good shape, yep. either to get out and continue on the next chapter of their life or to remain in and get back down range. So, and, you um, know, it, I mean, it would be not as simple and nothing is simple, just there could be a plan put in place where that could be a new MOS or something along those lines where yeah, when I, you, when you go, you, the, they build the MOS as, you know, they built all these electronic warfare MOSs. Why can't we build an MOS for, uh, coaches and exercise science, health, health like and that, exercise yeah. science or fall under admin or start training corpsmen to take that over and put uh, it, I don't know about that. I just think it's so, I think that probably the best thing is to bring, like you said, have like one dude at the regimental level that, you know, you got guys wounded, injured, or even recreational activities, you know, that they may be injured, you know, maybe you're wakeboarding or maybe you're, you know, ATV or car accident. You can send those guys and have that one head professional that's there. And maybe he has a cadre, right? Maybe yeah. He has one or two people with him, like a uh, physical therapist style. Yep. Um, but you put a team like that together. And I know that at the end of my SOI tour, they had some, um, they had some people like that over there checking out injuries and stuff. Cause I broke my foot. And when I went over there, you know, these people knew what they were doing and they were civilians as well. So that's probably the right move. And, in my opinion, but it, I guess it depends on how much we have to pay for it and all of that. Well, I mean, it's a conversation that could be had a little bit more. I've, I haven't heard of it on anything as far as the infantry, you know, the, the, the standard infantry Regular. level, you know, I, I know this, the special warfare guys, um, army, Navy, I'm sure Marsoc has them, you, you know, the air force, I'm sure has them, but as far as a line unit, a line company or battalion of infantrymen, I've never heard of it. Now, like you said, we've been out for a while, but at least start having the conversation about getting these down to the, the lower troops. Yeah. The guys that are actually going and closing with the enemy. So, yep. And they have them, you know, after they get injured, like I said, we have them, we have place for them. But if you were to have that to manage minor injuries, manage micro and macro diets, manage workout regiments for platoon and company size, you may uh, save your downtime on some of your smaller injuries. Now you yeah, never, absolutely. I'm not going to say you're going to prevent a, a, a car accident, but who's to say if the Marines in better shape, if he's, he's not going to live through it. <laughs> <laughs> he, who's to say he doesn't 
take that injury and recover faster because he's got a better, a healthier lifestyle, or he may not even get injured because he's already in that, that better shape than just yeah. crushing his body all day, you know, chest and tries, Oh, what is it? Back and back, buys. back and buys and chest and tries and run six miles after getting home from the bar at two o'clock in the morning. That ain't the lifestyle. You know, that's, that's not to the, to the, no. And like, we don't sleep enough. You know, when we're home, we want to train, then we want to party and we don't, we don't sleep enough. Sleep is huge. I learned that only after my career ended. And it is uh, partially the Marine. It is partially the Marine's fault. The, the, the singular Marine's fault. If he doesn't do that. But at the same time, if he had the guidance from a regimental or from a battalion coach, maybe we wouldn't have, maybe it would change. Not for everyone, but I mean, you know, it it's might a cultural thing. We need to change the culture a little bit and maybe getting back I mean, to peacetime. We'll do that. Maybe not. We'll and I mean, I don't have a problem with that culture. I mean, it definitely, but we might've been more lethal. We would have been more lethal if we, if we had That's changed the problem that. I have know? like indiv- on an individual level, kind of, I kind of hit on it, like on an individual level with his force recon and, you know, the indocs and stuff, I would hit on it and say that had I known how to take care of my body, how to properly sleep, how to properly eat, how to properly work out in my young 20s as I was coming up, I definitely could have been more lethal. Yeah, absolutely. Like my endurance, my conditioning would have been different. My focus would have been different. And a lot of it comes with maturity, right? So it takes a little while for the for the Lance Corporal and you to grow up and get out and say, oh, you know, I got it. This is my profession. And you don't realize the gravity of that until sometimes until it's too late to say, oh, shit, you know, I should have took this way more serious. Yep. So also, yeah. you know, it's it, the other thing is and that goes back to the recovery and the infantry and <clears throat> it's why are we waiting three hours for word to get off work? And then we don't get all, you know, you don't get cut loose to Liberty until six o'clock at night. Well, they knew at three o'clock you should have been cut loose, but then we got to wait for word to pass down and it might've changed with more cell phone use. I don't know. But by the time six o'clock rolls around, well, you still got to get chow. You got to get a shower. You got to do your laundry. You still want to go to the bar, but you could have done been to the, you could have done been to the gym and hit the bar in the same day, every day. And got plenty of sleep. And got plenty of sleep. Which probably wouldn't have happened if you hit the bar. If you hit the bar. But that's what I'm saying. Why do we, you know, it's it's also falls on the leadership of these companies and these yep. platoons to yep. not play fuck fuck games with the younger Marines and allow them, especially in peacetime, look, you got to train, you got to train hard, but. If you don't have any training for your Marines, cut them loose on Liberty and let them enjoy it. 100%. They already going to spend enough time away from their families and missing the birds, the kids and missing deaths in the families. There's no reason to fuck around with their time unless they've earned that. Yep. And if they've earned it, Hey, they've earned it. And and as a leader, if you build, if you build a community in your platoon or in your company, of strong leaders at the lower level in the team leader level, and you trust your team leaders and you trust your squad leaders to accomplish their mission overseas, then you should, you should trust them to go out on team and squad level PT and make it worth the time that you allow them in the morning or in the evening, whatever it is. If, yeah. And I think a lot of that's, you know, depends on what unit you're in, what yeah, shape that unit's in, obviously, but, but that's definitely what you want. Um, in an ideal situation 
Uh, any anything else from Ty? I'm good. Yep, I said. I thought it was a great rep episode, and as always, guys, uh, if you took anything away from this episode that struck you that as good information and as good gouge, then surely you could pass it on to whoever you thought about in that moment. So make sure you hit that share button. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to the channel and throw us a like. We're encouraging comments as well. If you learned something, if you want to learn more about something, if you have questions for guests, hit me with them uh, in the comments thread and, uh, and we'll see if we can get you taken care of. Till next time, guys. Thanks. Also, don't forget to check out the new Choices Not Chances podcast website. That's choicesnotchancespodcast.com. Um, we just opened it up about a month ago, and go check it out, y'all. Um, go contact your congressman over the Marsoc 3 as well. Besides yep. that, All right. y'all have a good day. Thank you. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters, specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger, we have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking a building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny, funny shot. Yeah. Funny.